Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. We are so glad you are with us and hope that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. As Lent began, we began a new series titled The Cross, the Tomb, the Way. We have Christine Geshom sharing God's word with us today on Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. The much quoted prayer that he prayed at this place sets the stage for us on how to effectively pray when we encounter the hardest seasons of our lives. Every follower of Jesus will then be able to confidently say in prayer, "Let your will be done, not mine." Let's quiet in our hearts to hear what God has to say to each of us today. Hi church, it's a joy to bring God's word to you today as you know. Uh, we've entered the season of Lent and we've been doing a new series called The Cross, the Tomb and the Way. And what our thought was when we began this was that each week we would look um at a different gospel um to really understand what um you know the preparation to the cross looked like. And that's what we're doing. Last week we looked at the book of Matthew and this week we're looking at the book of Mark. and we're going to be uh, reading specifically about Jesus in the garden of gethsemane and um i don't know about you but today's topic is really not just about what happens in gethsemane but something that each of us need to apply for our lives on a daily basis in this journey as followers of christ and so even as i begin can i just say a quick word of prayer to prepare our hearts for what god has to say to us father in heaven i just come before you asking that lord as i share the word you will speak through me that if anyone today is battling anything that today they will see it in the light of your scriptures and that lord they will be moved to a place of action i pray that you would help us you would enable us to understand i pray you will remove the veil from our eyes from our heart from our ears that we will be able to hear you understand your word and discern what to do next to father help us and be with us in jesus name i pray amen amen so even as we get into god's word we're going to be looking specifically at mark chapter 14 verses 32 to 42 this is what it says jesus prays in gethsemane and they went to a place called gethsemane and he said to his disciples sit here while i pray and he took with him peter james and john and began to be greatly distressed and troubled and he said to them my soul is very sorrowful even to death remain here and watch and going a little farther he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible the hour might pass from him and he said abba father all things are possible for you remove this cup from me yet not what i will but what you will and he came and found them sleeping and he said to peter simon are you asleep could you not watch one hour watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak and again he went away and prayed saying the same words and again he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were very heavy and they did not know what to answer him and he came the third time and he said to them are you still sleeping and taking your rest it is enough the hour has come the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners rise let us be going see my betrayer is at hand I can totally relate to what Peter, James and John were going through. I can understand what they felt, how tired they were. They had a full day probably before them and here they were asked to stay up um at an odd time in the night 
watching as Jesus went to pray and they couldn't make it. I remember a time when we were little children in our childhood church um, and I remember we used to have all night prayer and I would not be able to last past 11 p.m. It was like, you know, just this shutter went off and I would be flat. And um, so I understand what this looks like. But when you look at this closely, I want us to look into our lives and our situations right now. And I've titled today's sermon as Spiritual Warfare. And that's what we're going to be looking at at really. Gethsemane means oil press. And coincidentally, in a literal sense, this was where Jesus was pressed. You can see he was in anguish. You can see he was sorrowful. And here he was pouring himself out. And the prayers he prayed here were brought, what carried him through up to the cross and beyond. And I believe that today each of us are called to come to this place when we are squeezed and, and just br- at breaking point, that's where we need to step into the spot of going full on into spiritual warfare. Jesus in this passage says he's distressed to the point of death, not because of a fear of death, not because he was afraid of what the people would do or say about him, but because he was going to carry the weight of the world's sin on him. It was the thought of being associated with sin that closely that he couldn't bear. He was a sinless God. He was a sinless man. And he was going to bear the weight of the world's sin. And that that thought was terrible for him. Even worse was that sin which he would carry would separate him temporarily from his father. And that was in itself something that caused despair to him. And that is why he was in this place of desperation. And that's where these prayers were being prayed from. Now, the prelude to this was that the the 12 disciples were with Jesus. They were in the upper room and they had had the last supper. They had had the Passover feast together. And that's where Jesus had actually told Peter, you know, that you were going to deny me. And Peter very vehemently denies that. But um, Jesus goes on to say, yes, you are going to deny me. And then soon after that, he takes three of these disciples and goes with them to the Mount of Olives. And at the foot of the Mount of Olives is where this garden is located. And that's where he went in to pray. Okay. Now, if we're to look at different passages in the book of Mark, there's a lot of um, warnings, so to speak, that Jesus gave his disciples of his impending death. He predicted it many times over. If you look at Mark chapter 8, verses 31 to uh, 33, when when Jesus talks to his disciples and says, guys, I'm going to be, you know, taken by the scribes and Pharisees. They're going, you know, teachers of the law are going to commit me. They're going to arrest me. And there's going to be a lot of stuff that happens, but I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die and I'm going to be raised again. And you know what happens in that that time in Mark 8, when that is talked about, Peter takes him aside and begins to rebuke him and say, never, Lord, that will never happen. And sadly, Jesus turns to him and says, and rebukes Satan, who is using him as a mouthpiece and says, Get behind me, Satan. You do not have the things of God on your mind. You have the things of man. And he was more than rebuking Peter. He was rebuking the enemy who was speaking through him. The next time that Jesus warns them is in Mark 9.31. And again, the and this time it says the disciples didn't understand what he was saying. And then the third time he mentions this is in Mark 10.33 to 34, where he again predicts his death. And this time there's no response from the disciples. In another gospel, it says that they were sorrowful. And another time it says that they didn't know what to ask ask him. They were confused. They were scared to ask him more. But as I was reading these three predictions that Jesus himself made, it was like he was telling the disciples what was coming up. 
yet they didn't have the discernment they didn't understand what he was saying and they didn't ask him more they didn't probably know how to pray effectively and understand what he was saying and so they were not prepared on the other hand jesus had been telling it to them i'm sure because jesus knew what it was going to do to them jesus knew that that when when he was arrested they would scatter jesus knew that when they saw him suffering they would be shattered inside jesus knew that in seeing him buried in a tomb they would lose hope jesus knew that everything was that was head was set in stone it was going to happen and he knew that it was going to shake their faith and therefore i believe he kept dropping these hints to them and saying guys this is what's coming this is what's around the corner and i wonder how many of us are like that we are in a season where things are happening all around us you just have to take the newspaper to to have your mood plummet but the, the more than a newspaper could ever do when you read god's word god is on the move god wants to speak to his people god wants to speak to you specifically about your family about yourself about your marriage about your relationship about your job about your finances about your addiction about the, your shame about your guilt he wants to speak to you the series that we had from the beginning of this year was i am your god he is a personal god he is a god for every one of us no longer can i say he is my parents god no longer can i say it is my spouse's god or my children's god no he is my god you have to come to that place and when you come to that place when you come to that place you will realize that he wants to speak to you and a lot of times you may have had a dream where you felt like something was being told to you maybe when you read the word you had an inkling that god was warning you that something is ahead or maybe you knew that there's a coming success but god wants you to know today that in this walk of of following christ as being a follower of christ as much as there is blessing there will be burdens to carry as much as there will be breakthroughs there will be breaking that accompanies it as long there will be successes but there will be struggles and he wants you to be aware of it he will reveal things to you through his word through his people through the church through any method as long as your eyes and ears are open he's going to keep speaking to you but my question to you is this will we be like those disciples who didn't know what was happening they didn't have the discernment they didn't ask the right questions they were not prepared or will we be true followers of christ who are listening in for him who want that intel when we receive it from him we act accordingly that's what spiritual warfare looks like spiritual warfare is actually being present and prepared and equipped to see the kingdom of god be established in our lives against all odds let me repeat that spiritual warfare is being prepared present and equipped to see the kingdom of god established in our lives against all odds and the operative word there is all odds it will feel like sometimes hell is broken out against you but the beautiful thing is that we are on the winning side today you and i were not in the position that the disciples were in they didn't know what he was saying when he said on the third day i will rise again maybe they thought oh well you know yeah he's going to be in eternity so he'll be alive they didn't know that this story was ending in victory they didn't know that there was going to be an empty tomb they didn't know there was going to be a risen savior today we know that we know that this jesus who walked and talked and healed when he died and when he rose again he became the ultimate perfect sacrifice in our stead that no longer was the old covenant required because now he established a new covenant where he was the perfect sacrifice his blood sealed the deal 
So today, when we talk about spiritual warfare, it's actually not rocket science. It's standing in the authority of the finished work of the cross. It's standing in the authority that Jesus has delegated to us. It is standing believing, Lord, you won the war. Now these small battles that I'm going to be engaged in, I know I've got it because you're with me. I know I've got it because your blood has won it for me. I know that I'm saved. I know that I have eternity to look forward to. I stand in victory. That is what it looks like. And so today, what I'm going to be asking you is just two very simple things. From the passage, we saw two important things. Jesus instructed his disciples when he kept watching them sleep on the job. He said this, he said, watch and pray. These are the two things. And so today I want to ask you if, first of all, you would be ready to watch. Spiritual warfare requires watching. What do we have to watch? What do I have to watch? Well, before I ask, ask that, why sh- I, I'm going to answer the why question. Why should I watch? Because I don't want to fall into temptation. Jesus himself told these guys, your spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. All of us followers of Jesus, you know, now that we have accepted Jesus, we've been walking with him maybe for for a month or for years, I don't know how long. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. And so our spirit is on fire for the Lord. We want to do more. We want to, you know, be more. But we are still encased in the trappings of a human body. We still have frailty. We still are beset with temptations and trials. And so Jesus knows that. He said, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. So you need to watch out. So that's why we need to watch. We are not yet eternal beings. Yes, eternity is set in the heart of man. But right now, we occupy a space on earth. We are very much human. And therefore, we need to be watching. We need to be watching avidly. We need to be alert That's what it looks like. Okay, so what does keeping watch actually mean? Like I just said, it means staying alert. What are we staying alert to? Now, I told you when we are following Jesus, there are blessings that are on the way, but there will be preceding barriers. There will be those things that are set up before us that we need to go through before we reach our blessing. We know that they're coming breakthroughs because we've been praying for it for ages, but there will be simultaneous breaking which happens. Things in our life that have to be removed, God will be working on us. What are the other things we must watch out? There will be coming success. You've been praying for success. You've been praying for increase. It will come, but there will be an ongoing struggle. We cannot divorce the two. We cannot say, I only want success because I follow Jesus. I only want progress because I follow Jesus. It's going to come with a cost. There is going to be breaking. There is going to be barriers. There is going to be a struggle. But the beauty of it is this. When we stay alert, we have a double-pronged view. Okay, And what does that look like? What does it look like to live alert? Because the problem is, before I actually say how we're going to live alert, the problem is many of us Christians are operating on autopilot. We are so complacent. We don't want to talk too much about the devil because, hey, I don't want to give him credit. But then we are also not aware of what God is doing in the global church. We're not aware of what God is doing around the world. We are just cruising through life, hoping to just hit eternity. But I believe that God has called us to contend for the faith. God is asking us to stand firm, lest the enemy devour us. His aim is destruction. Whereas God's aim is abundance. And I don't mean abundance of things. I mean abundance of spirit and soul. He wants to bless us within so that we we are radiating God's glory to the world. And so that is where this comes in. Where does my watching take me? It's there 
when I have to stop being complacent and start opening my eyes to the reality all around me. And that's what we need to be in. That's the stance we need to be in the days to come. We are in the end times. Let's not kid ourselves. We are in the end times. Wars, rumors of wars, things that are happening all around us. We are in the end times. How are we going to watch? Okay. So the two things is a two-pronged approach to watching. The first thing that I need to do is I need to watch out for what God is doing. Okay. Like I said, God is doing something amazing globally. He's doing something amazingly in the amazing in the capital C church. And what if we're so complacent that we miss it? What if we're so caught up in our little worlds that we miss it? Isaiah chapter 43 verse 19 says this, Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the badlands. It's amazing when you start opening your eyes, you start speaking to people in other continents, speaking to people in the underground churches of the world and you hear what God is doing. It will give you goosebumps. He is on the move. God is doing new things. And as long as our eyes are closed to that, as long as we live complacently on autopilot, we will not see that. And I want you to start opening your eyes so that you will be aware of what he's doing in your life in lives of people around you, in what God is doing through your life for others. What are some of the things that God is doing? He is restoring areas that you thought were dead. He is reclaiming things that you that were stolen from you. The enemy took some things. Maybe it was health. Maybe it was a relationship. He is reclaiming it for you. He is bringing in better things. He is redefining the things that you thought defined you. Maybe a relationship defined you. Maybe an addiction defined you. But no, he is removing those labels. He's redefining you. He's fixing things in your life that you didn't know needed fixing. He's healing things far deeper than you knew was possible. You thought you needed a physical healing. But he's saying, hey, son, daughter, I want to go deeper. And he's doing things. God is on the move. God is doing things. And the only way you will see it is if your spiritual eyes are open to him. You will only hear of it when your ears are opened. And when you can hear his voice, he is speaking through his word. He is speaking through the music that is being generated and sung around the world. He is speaking. He's on the move. Your heart needs to be opened to his instruction. And so, It's very important, this particular thing of seeing what God is doing, we need to invite the Holy Spirit in and say, Holy Spirit, just unclog my ears. Remove the scales from my eyes. Make my stony heart a heart of flesh so that I can receive what you're telling me and act on it. We need to start practicing the art of listening for God's word. It's so important. You could do this this week. Just sit in the corner of your home. Even if it's a small house, no problem. Sit at the corner of a room. Maybe sit near a window where you could look outside. If you don't have that, it's fine. Practice sitting five minutes minutes without... Practice sitting five minutes without speaking to God. He knows what you need. You're going to practice sitting quietly and just hearing yourself breathe. Let him speak to you. Keep your Bible beside you. You don't need to open it, but he will nudge you. He will speak to you. We need to practice the art of listening in order to see and hear what God is doing. That's the first important thing in the two-pronged approach of watching. The second thing that we need to be um, watching out for is what the enemy is doing. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 to 11 
stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support and strengthen you and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. I love this passage because it does not give the enemy um, too much of, you know, credence. Because it ends on this note of whatever he has planned for evil, I will turn it to good. You will be restored. You will be on a firm foundation and all power to whom? To Jesus alone. So here's the deal. As much as God is moving, the enemy is doing his thing. He's crafty, he's vicious, he's working. I love what Priscilla Shira tweeted this week. She said this, being a believer doesn't give you immunity from the assaults of the enemy, but it does give you access to the power of the Father, his power to defend you as well as to reverse what's done to people. Isn't that amazing that the power of God can reverse what the enemy has done and it can set people free. So what will the enemy use? How does he operate? Well, he's so crafty. He's so vicious. He has existed before we even, you know, knew about him. He's been there for ages and he works in different ways. Sometimes he will use people. He will use people to disappoint you, to discourage you, to verbally attack you, to persecute you, to blaspheme your faith. He'll also use them to praise you and lift you up and then pull you down. He'll do all kinds of things with people. He will create stormy situations. He will create situations where there's chaos and confusion and you have no idea what's happening around you. He will also mess with your mind and body. He will put in thoughts because he is the father of lies. He will whisper lies to you that you will start to believe. He will start to afflict your body because now your mind is, is exhausted. Your mind is anxious. It will start causing repercussions in the body. He will inf inflict, afflict you with disease. Pain and discomfort that he causes will lead to discouragement, fear, loss of faith, hopelessness. He will do all kinds of things. But here's the beautiful thing. When you read through the Gospel of Mark, when you look at what the enemy had done to people through the, you know, you looked at the number of people who came who were demon possessed, the people who were sick, the people who were afflicted. And the way Jesus dealt with them, he had no time for demons. He got rid of them ASAP. That was Jesus and demons. He, he couldn't be bothered too much. And the important thing is, like I said, the enemy will a lot of times use people. He will use people to praise you, pull you down, discourage you, persecute you and all of that. I remember this verse which says, Jesus did not entrust himself to people for he knew all men. And that, that's a great thing for all of us to live by. Jesus never entrusted himself to people. He only entrusted himself to his father. And therefore, Jesus didn't live or die by their praise or the lack of it. He lived above it. Okay. The second thing of the enemy creating stormy situations in our life. Well, you remember what Jesus did when he saw a storm on the lake of, on the Sea of Galilee? What did he do? He just said, peace, be still. He calmed it immediately. Not just that, when demons were out of control, playing havoc with people, what did he do? He silenced them. He didn't let them talk and he drove them out. That was Jesus. He will mess with your mind. Remember what the enemy does? Messing with our mind, our body. Well, Jesus was quick 
to heal the sick. So much compassion because he could see these beautiful people who he had created, who he loved so much, were afflicted and bound by the enemy. He set them free. The captives were set free. The bondaged were set free. He broke chains. He broke physical chains. He broke, broke the emotional chains, mental chains. That was Jesus. And so this is why I want you to remember that even in dealing with the enemy, even talking about the enemy, we come from a place of victory. We have nothing to be afraid of. We really have nothing to be afraid of. This past week, I was on the terrace doing some work when I taken my dog up with me. And uh, both of us were, I was just sitting and doing some writing and she was, you know, she does her usual watchdog work. Of, she patrols the walls as it were. And so when we are up there, no bird is allowed to sit on our walls. But that day there was this one cheeky crow, you know, and it was like taunting our dog. It was taunting her so much. So whenever our dog went to one corner of the terrace, the crow would flutter right next to her and go and sit on the other edge of the wall. And then, you know, Mocha would get up and she would chase her this side and then he would come back and sit on this side. And it was like this cat and mouse came for almost five minutes. And finally, Mocha thought she had done the job because the crow flew above the shed. And so Mocha lay down and she started to, you know, she was so exhausted. She started to doze off. And the crow came back and sat in a corner, where, which was the blind spot of the dog. And she had no idea this chap was sitting there so cheekily looking at him and just almost, you know, looking at him with complete victory until I had to wake Mocha up and tell her, you know, look who's there. And I realized as I was watching, that's how the enemy works. He tries to touch us in one area. We, we, we pray, we, we get our victory in Jesus. And then he tries another area and he makes us sometimes run helter skelter. And just when we're exhausted, he goes in for the kill. He sends in a temptation. He sends in a trial that is beyond our ability to manage. But I love the fact that we have a God who doesn't sleep nor slumber. That even when we sometimes sleep on the watch, he's awake. He wakes us up. He nudges us. But the time is coming. The time is coming when the Lord wants his people to rise up and to be open and to see what the enemy's schemes are. Because the schemes are many. The schemes are not very, um, you know, uh, what do you say, not hard to miss. They're quite easy to notice most often. But he wants us to be aware of the schemes of the enemy. What do the schemes look like? The enemy will try to dissuade you from God's plan and purposes. He will show you alternate routes. He will entice you with nice sounding alternatives. He will extract your energy through towards non-divine purposes and pursuits. He will leave you depleted. He will leave you discouraged. He will leave you distracted. Those are some of his schemes. It's not an exhaustive list. But it's true. He will dissuade. He will make you distrust God. He will make you distrust his word. He will whisper lies about who you are. He will whisper lies about who God is. He will extract your energy. He does not want to build you up. He wants to deplete you. So now... If I was to look at this and say, yes, I have to watch out for what God is doing and I have to watch out what the enemy is doing. So then do I live suspicious of people and, and look behind every rock for a demon? No, not at all. I just have to live with discernment and wisdom. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. I cannot do this journey on planet Earth circa 2022 without the Holy Spirit. Because if if I try to do this journey without the Holy Spirit, I could, you know, be priding myself. Oh, I don't give in to lust, but I could fall into a pit of greed. Oh, I don't murder anyone, but I could fall into a pit of covetousness. 
I could say I don't have any addictions, but social media may be open on my phone 24-7 that prevents me from hearing God's voice. What is it that the enemy has enticed or distracted me with, which has got me blinded that I'm so unaware of his schemes? That's where I need to come back. I need the Holy Spirit to help me live with discernment. He will show you. He will remove peace when something you're doing is not of him. He will disturb you. He will shake you up until you see that you're on the wrong track. He will wake you up. The Holy Spirit is what we need to live with wisdom and discernment. So don't get worried and say, oh my goodness, should I live scared of the enemy? No, he's a defeated foe. You don't have to be scared of him. You can stand up in the authority that Jesus has given you and say, Holy Spirit, I need your help. This route, this job, this pursuit looks exciting. It's everything I wanted, but does it have Jesus in it? Do you want me to take this route? If you want me to wait, maybe for another year, I'll wait. But help me choose the right thing. Help me not to fall into temptation. This struggle has come. I'm doubting you. Holy Spirit, strengthen my faith. We need discernment. We need wisdom so that we will be wise to the enemy's schemes. God is moving and so is the enemy. We need to be aware of both. If we are watchful and alert, you will find that you'll be discerning about what is what God is doing and you will also be wise about what the enemy is planning. So you will be privy to what the enemy is up to because you know you have intel already of what he's planning. You also know, you can see with your spiritual eyes that God is moving in a mighty way. And with this dynamic duo, so to speak, you're well on your way to victory. But you need to do both. You cannot overemphasize one without the other. You can't be on a trip of, oh, you know what? This is of the devil. That is of the devil. A lot of times the Lord will use people to shape us. The Lord, of, A lot of times the, the Lord will allow a sickness to touch us just so that he gets our attention back, so that he can speak lovingly to us. A lot of times we have misheard something and just blamed it on the, on the devil. So it's very important to live with wisdom and discernment so that we can see what God is doing and we can also be wise to the enemy's schemes and then we are able to really watch. Like Jesus told his disciples that we would watch before we pray. And so this is the first step in spiritual warfare, watching, being alert with our spiritualized ears and heart open. The second thing, the second part of spiritual warfare is actually prayer. Okay, and that's no big surprise, I know. Now, Mark 14, verse 35 to 36 in the message version says this. Going a little ahead, he fell to the ground and prayed for a way out. Papa, Father, you can, can't you? Get me out of this. Take this cup away from me. But please, not what I want. What do you want? What an incredible prayer. He doesn't want what he wants. Although he's very clear about telling his father, this is where I'm at. Take this cup away. But he's coming back to this place of saying, Lord, what do you want? What is it you want from me? So when if you were to ask me, so what do I pray for? This feels limiting. Well, of course, pray for a breakthrough. Pray for a change in your situation. You're going through a grinding season where you feel like everything is against you. You feel like you're being ground into, you know, nothing. Well, pray for a breakthrough. We can surely ask for a change in our Lord. Jesus said, take this cup away from me if it's your will. But he said, take this cup away. Right? Whatever I pray for, even the breakthroughs, they have to be coupled with another phrase. And that phrase is for God's will to be done. God's will, not mine. A lot of times our will dictates our prayer. Most of the time our prayer is twisting the arm of God and saying, Lord, 
I love this job, so please get it for me. Lord, this girl seems perfect for me. I want her as my wife. We do not consult him and say, Lord, what do you want? What is your will for me? Because God's will, if God's will is here, my will is here. My will is so, you know, bent on just pleasing me. But God's will has a bigger view. It has a long range view. It affects the kingdom of God that he's establishing here on earth. And so therefore, when I pray, I pray for a breakthrough, yes, but I pray for it in line with God's will. How, how do I know if my prayers are in line with God's will for me? Or how do I know God's will? When I was doing my quiet time this week, I came across this interesting passage. It's an exchange between um, the sons of Zebedee, James and John and Jesus. And so they come to Jesus Okay, and they have a very interesting request of him. Mark 10, 38 to 40. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Look at that, that phrase that Jesus uses. You don't know what you are asking. And I just, when I was reading that this week, I just felt so convicted because there's so many things I've probably been asking for years now. And I had no clue what I was asking, obviously, because I, it maybe was not in line with God's will. And so today I want us to come back to this place of how do I know what to ask for, right? 1 John 5.14 says this, this is the confidence we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. But how will I know what God's will is for me? Now, on a broad spectrum, when you when you read the Bible, when you read the epistles and, and the gospels, you will find that his will towards us is salvation for all. His will is that we be sanctified. His will is that we'll be made into his likeness, right? So this is a very large scale God's will kind of thing. But what is his will for you? That happens when you know his word, when you're reading his word on a daily basis, when you're listening for his voice, he's going to be revealing to you what his will is. So the, the best part though, the best part of this is that we really don't know God's whole will for our lives. We don't. And that's where faith comes in. I'm glad that I don't know the entirety of God's will for my life. Because if I did, I'll be orchestrating every little thing to point me in that direction. I love that there's this huge question mark. There's this huge area that I don't know anything about. But I love that I can confidently lay my request at his feet and say, Lord, I, I need this healing or I need this provision, but your will, not mine. And I'm finding that this prayer is so liberating. You know why it's so liberating? It's a scary prayer, yes, but it's very liberating because it takes the responsibility of me to micromanage the, you know, the request being actually finding its fruition. I don't have to do anything to accomplish it. He does everything. It's liberating because the onus is on God to show up. It's up for up to him to actually bring this to pass because I have no control of anything. I used to think this was the world's scariest prayer. But the more I pray this way, I realize that it actually loosens the grip of fear that I have. It loosens that fear of the unknown. It loosens the grip of just worrying. It loosens all of that because I'm saying for everything, Lord, it's your will. You want me to take this, this speaking assignment or not? It's your will, not mine. And so when things do happen, when doors open, I know it wasn't me. It was him. 
You see what I'm saying? God's will is a mystery. A lot of it isn't. It's in his word. When you read God's word, he'll reveal things to you. He'll say, this is what I want for you. This is your mandate. He will give it to you. But it will unfold over time. And that requires faith to believe in it. I need to trust that he knows what's best for me. And so from all of this, when we looked at the Mark 14 chapter, we saw that Jesus told his disciples, watch and pray. And we saw that we need to watch and keep our eyes open and stay alert to what God is doing, what the enemy is doing. And when it comes to prayer, you may have just kind of slumped now and saying, so I don't know what God's will is. What am I supposed to pray? Well, I don't want you to leave it at that. Let's look at the way Jesus prayed. Jesus did three very important things. First thing was he broke down before his father. He was his most vulnerable self. He said, he actually told his disciples, he gave them a small view into what he was feeling. He says, I am despairing to the point of death, sorrowful to the point of death. He was so grief stricken because he knew what was coming. And I wonder if we would come to Jesus as we are. If we would come to the father's throne through Jesus and say, this is me, Lord. I am so depressed right now. Lord, my ailment has gotten to me. I'm exhausted. Or maybe, you know what, this divorce is just squeezing the life out of me, Lord. I didn't want it, but look at what it's doing to me. What if we were to come to him and expose the rawness of our wounds? Because that's what Jesus did first. Come to his father and expose himself. Be his most vulnerable. We live in a time and age where we cannot be vulnerable. We put up our best phases on social media, but what if that would change with our God? What if we came to him and are unashamedly vulnerable? That's the first thing. The second thing is he prayed a very important thing after all of the ranting. He said, your will be done, not mine. And so that's where we need to come. I don't know God's will. I don't. I know a bit of it from his word, but Lord, I don't know the whole story. So therefore, let your will be done, not mine. So you rant, you rave before God, he can handle it. But the next stage is you need to come to a place of saying, I surrender this, your will be done, not mine. Like we saw last week, carrying the cross requires that I surrender everything to him because that's where I find freedom. Like I said, it's liberating to pray this prayer. And the third thing is that Jesus kept praying. You saw that three times he came, checked on them, saw them sleeping, said, wake up. Went back and said, he said the same words. Now, this is not mindless repetition. No. This was actually persistence. It was continual prayer. Praying with the Spirit. And that's what is talked about in Ephesians 6. At the end of that passage on, on putting on the armor of God, he says, pray at all times in the Spirit, all kinds of prayers. And so I want to encourage you that you would make it a practice. We already talked about making a practice of listening to God. We're going to make it a practice of continual prayer. You don't need to mark just the calendar for 7 p.m. to pray. Make it a practice of praying through the, through the day. For an ex-worry what like me, I have learned to convert every worry into a prayer. Worried about the children, Lord, I'm really worried about her. Please handle it. Lord, I'm worried about this particular thing. Handle it. Lord, I'm not feeling well. Look after me. Give me healing. Continual prayer. It's, this is not just a lifestyle. This is a complete overhaul of your life it's not a modification it's an overhaul it's making prayer an every moment sort of thing and that's the kind of warfare we are all walking in those of us who follow jesus those of us who are passionate to see his kingdom come we are in constant warfare 
And the only way to actually deal with it is to be in constant prayer the way Jesus was. So this is not about repetition. It was about persistence. It was coming to the Father again and again and saying, Lord, I, I know you know what I need, but I'm still coming back to you. And this continual prayer will win the victory. That's the important thing. The onus is on us to keep asking. Remember that ask, seek, knock. It actually means keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Keep on at it. Keep praying. There's no limit to how many times we can ask God for something. Keep asking. Let him hear your wounded cry. Let him hear your broken pieces. Let him hear your raw emotions. He can handle it and more. At the end of that though, don't leave it there. Ask him for his will to be done. And you will watch because the beauty of it is this is one prayer that I'm sure God never ceases to answer. The minute we put him in the driver's seat, he takes over. And so after you expose yourself to your heavenly father, I would urge you to pray, let your will be done, Lord, not mine. Your will be done. You can generally, you know, tell him if you've done geography, you would have, you know, you would have been, you would have seen a map. You have the political map, the physical maps, you have all kinds of maps. And you can usually tell where a map is drawn based on seeing what lies in the middle. Now, for example, suppose you ask your child to draw a map of your county or your, um, you know, the, the taluk that you live in. If you ask your child to draw, you know how they would draw it? They would draw their house first. And then they would draw the neighbor's house and then the lake next to you or the, the field next to you or whatever. So you can usually say where a map is drawn based on what's at the center of the map. Now, if I was to compare that to God's will and mine, when I pray that, Lord, this should happen according to my will, I put myself at the center of this map and then I plot the rest of my life around it. Oh, you know what? Married by 30, had children by 37. Um, you know, have this amazing career, earn this much, have a big house and a car, probably own a couple of dogs, do business in other cities. I've plotted out my life because that's my will. But the beauty of saying, Lord, let your will be done, not mine, is I bring God into the center of the map. And when I bring God into the center of the map, he starts plotting where I go. He positions me. He positions my life in such a way that it has maximum impact that it has the greatest growth, thanks to the Holy Spirit. And then I find that I'm actually probably a dot or a speck on this map. And so are you. You're another speck. Okay. My husband is another speck. Our children are specks. And the beauty is that even though we're just specks on this huge map, each of us are being watched over by this amazing God with the greatest love and care. He cares for every detail. Every little prayer and big prayer you're praying, he cares about. And me being that speck on that map that he's drawing, that he's at the center of, I start to see as I get older, the dots are getting joined. I start to see what impact my life had when I was 13. I start to see what, it, what the impact it has now. I start to see that my life is bigger than me. We are living in bubbles. Thanks to COVID, we all went into little bubbles and we're very content there. Yes, some of us who are desperate for community came back into community. But there's a huge population of us who have still isolated. We think our life is within our four walls. Can I urge you today? Can I urge you today that you will put God in the center of your map? Allow him to plot your position for the rest of time. Allow him 
to show you what he's doing in the world allow him to show you what role you are playing in the world he has created he has a bigger plan the world is bigger than us the world is bigger than our world and we are probably little specks all across this map that he is planning and and you know positioning us for and that's what it looks like to be in the center of god's will so if you were saying oh boy god's will seems so vague so abstract it's not really he saves each of us he's the light of the world he calls us the light of the world because he spills his light into us we become the salt and the light of the earth where you are at right now it's not for yourself it's for a bigger impact but it requires that you stand firm in the faith it requires that you stay alert to what god is doing it requires that you stay alert to what the enemy schemes are so that your feet don't slip so that you don't become another one of his victims so that you come out of this life not as someone bedraggled and just literally barely making it out but that you will come out like a victorious warrior and that you will walk every day constantly in prayer don't undermine how important prayer is a lot of us christians for too long have been prayerless prayer is what gives us power we can only be as effective as our prayer life and let's not just kid ourselves and say i pray for 5 minutes before i lie down at night give him your whole day he gave you all of it pray through the day pray in the spirit pray in tongues pray as you see fit pray in your vernacular you don't need fancy words keep praying turn your worries into prayers turn your anxieties into prayers turn your praise into prayers because god wants to use you mightily and you cannot do it unless you're fitted for battle unless you're battle ready so even as we close this is what i want to leave with you that we will just spend some time praying right now but i want to leave with you this that you will keep a stance of readiness that you will not live on autopilot anymore life is bigger than just you and me it's bigger than just our businesses just our children it is bigger and better and it's amazing because the lord is doing something on the earth but he wants us to rise up he wants us to be aware of the enemy schemes who's so crafty that he will come in before we know it and so holy spirit we just ask right now for discernment as we as we have heard we just ask for wisdom and discernment that you will speak to each one of your people right now if there is an area where there has been a foothold for the enemy that you will reveal it to them if their wealth has been a foothold if their ambition has been a foothold lord if a relationship has been a foothold for the enemy if an addiction has been a foothold if pride has been a foothold whatever it has been that right now they will confess it lord and stand up in the victory that you give i pray that lord they will be ready to watch and see through your word through spiritual eyes that are open through ears that are open I pray that father we will learn to listen for your voice that lord we won't get distracted with the sounds around us but we will listen for your voice and we pray most importantly that lord we will pray persistently continuously lord that we will have a spirit of prayer fall upon us right now holy spirit help us help us give us a passion to pray give us a passion oh father to see your kingdom come on earth and for your will to be done I pray right now that your people will find it easier and easier to say that line your will be done not mine but your will lord help us help us we need you we thank you lord that you know that our spirit is willing but our flesh is weak strengthen our flesh 
strengthen us, O Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I pray that this week and the weeks to come, that warfare will become easier for you. Yes, the battle is hard, but you will know that your weapons are already with you. He has prepared you. So if you would be ready to watch and pray, it will change your life. It will change the trajectory of your life in the future as well. Have an amazing week. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. To hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you are hearing, consider rating us, subscribing and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in. Remember, whoever finds Jesus finds life.